forever. Dog. Welcome to Podcast The Ride, The Second Gate, uh, and we're here today, and uh, I'm not going to lie, uh, we're a bunch of freaks today. <laughs> right. Yeah, he call us hey. the, uh, the the terrifying triad. Yeah. yeah. Mike's Mike, Scott, and Jason, my kind of guy. Oh, yeah. A couple of freaks ready to get the freak on about behind a paywall. Behind That's a paywall. devilishly greedy. Uh-huh. That voice is Scott Gardner. I'm Jason Sheridan. Mike Carlson hey, also here. Also there he doing is. a voice. His trademark hey. Maniac Mike. <laughs> who's also like a DJ for a local radio station. But he's also in the what was it? Terrible triad. Whatever the ter- that. Yeah, he's yeah, in the, the ter- terrible triad. Oh yeah, let's go terrible triad, sure. What did you say? Uh I I, th- I mean it's a terrifying, but I think oh, ter- terrifying, terrible yeah. has a nicer clip to it. Because sinister um, and terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. those kind of match. Um, so in case you don't know what we're doing, uh, <laughs> you didn't read the headline. We are talking today about just the David Letterman performance of the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark song, A Freak Like Me Needs Company, uh, from, written by Bono and the Edge. Yay. Yeah. I haven't been so excited about a topic Maybe ever. Uh, uh, and yeah, this, I, I've I'm, I've been so excited to talk about this, and I think we're we're probably all in the same area with where this thing happened in 2011. But I think I know I watch it perhaps quarterly, perhaps every yeah. quarter. Since oh, for then. sure, yeah. Uh, and but, I can say without a doubt that Mike would have sent this to me pretty quickly, uh-huh. like day after airing. Quickly, mm-hmm. he would have sent it to to me and some other people mm-hmm. saying it, you gotta watch this yeah um i i felt very lucky because i watched this air live i didn't tune in specifically to see it um but i happened to put it on right before it all went down but it also made me crazy because i had no one to talk to about it <laughs> like i just i felt yeah. like i hallucinated it i'm alone at night just staring at my tv on the couch and like what the hell and then it didn't really blow up immediately but i remember i was working in the funnier die basement uh we were with a lot of fun weirdos you've heard on freaks. this show a lot of them all your favorite freaks from the world of podcast imagine a kooky basement where both nick weiger and bug main shared cubicle space uh, uh but i like it was such a big hit in that basement like a week or so later it took a little delay mm-hmm. we talked about it non-stop and i think it spread a lot through sort of our this little scene in comedy world if i'm correct uh i want to say our friend eva anderson wrote or was like largely responsible for the tribute to it on comedy bang bang uh, oh yeah they did with tom lennon uh they they did kind of a, a quick little like he was the phantom but they he transmogrified essentially into the into the green goblin for, for one song so it's the like the hammy it's a- green goblin the hammiest green goblin <laughs> yeah. far hammier than uh willem dafoe or uh who who would it have been in the um Chris Cooper, I believe, was gonna be the Green Goblin, but he died. They killed him off in the second round oh. of Spider Man movies. Oh okay. Interesting. And okay, then okay. Dan Dan Don was the Green Goblin because it was his son. Harry. Right. That's you know 
So, but the point is, all right, before we go, we're watching this, by the way, on loop in the background and yeah, the, and the yes. lizard just came in and I totally forgot what is like the Kurt Connors, like part of him looks like. The lizard looks like that inflatable T-Rex costumes mm-hmm. that are like popular at Halloween or like I saw a marching band have a bunch of them like recently in a YouTube yeah. clip. But this is years before those inflatable Halloween costumes yes. when it was now like. they're everywhere. But they, when you see those costumes, know that they were pioneered by Broadway legend Julie Taymor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the, the thing about this that's so crazy like it the level that knowing the budget the budget is stated in the performance it's a 65 million dollar circus uh, tragedy actually more like 75 he says because that is true it ended up alluding to the cost of 75 and for those of you who aren't broadway heads uh the average cost of a musical on broadway is 5 to 15 million really <laughs> yeah that's the that's the yeah, differential yeah. Oh my i'm sure God. things like um uh, King Kong that is currently running or about to start running with the giant King Kong. I'm sure that cost a little more, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a mm-hmm. a notorious uh, catastrophe in the history of Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and so, if all right, if you haven't seen this performance first of all we should have it in the show notes or you can just go to youtube and i think the full just type in spider-man a freak like me needs company david letterman and you will find it <laughs> yeah. because we're as once again we're not talking about the full show spider-man turn up the dark we're talking about this wonderful performance mm-hmm. where the green goblin due to some very lax security on the david letterman <laughs> show the green goblin bursts into the ed sullivan theater yes. and takes it over and engulfs it in his freakiness and also, this should note, this is a, a an exclusive version of this song. The original cast recording of this song is just the start of the song and the end of the song. He doesn't stop in the middle of the song on in the Broadway play and introduce these characters, right? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, he is does. That, oh, he does. Oh, yes, he yep. does, yes. Okay. Yeah. I've seen, he trimmed I've, it for the soundtrack. Yeah, then. I saw mm-hmm. the... I've seen it. I cast saw it on Broadway. Oh, I forgot recording. that you saw it. I saw you it. You saw it a, like a month after this... Is it that soon? This aired in July 2011. Oh, I and guess we were I did. in New York together yeah, in I guess August you're right. 2011. Yeah, you're right. And, you that, and I saw it alone. No one would go with me. <laughs> no one would go. Richie went with me, my friend, and he uh, he all of a sudden bailed on me because I was like, I'm going to try at the last second to get Spider-Man tickets. And I did. I walked up to the box office right as I was going in there like, well, our $29 tickets that are a little like view obstructed, is that okay? And I was like, of course, that's the perfect way to see this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just went in alone. It was raining. I was soaking wet. And I love, I was enjoyed the whole thing so much. I was in the top part of the, the theater, right by where like Spider-Man's would, Spider-Man would come down and swing. Uh, oh, he does get really up close to you. I've been yeah, watching they're, footage. They're way up in the third balcony and he would jump and swing down. That's pretty crazy. I mean, there was, a, this. it does seem like they pulled off. A legitimately amazing show at times and that sets are amazing and some costumes are amazing yeah it's just something about the way it all added up on this letterman performance so here i think i mean watch the performance certainly but let me just let's just play the tiniest taste of it before <laughs> we talk for much longer Freak on! 
And that's 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 yeah. about all we. As long that's as you know enough. the general tenor, this the, he broke into the Letterman show, and he is the scariest freak do you, of all time. Do you know why he says that at the start? No, because there was a break in at the Ed Sullivan Theater not long before that. What? Some like crazy guy broke into the Ed Sullivan Theater, so he comes in and like. I'll tie it into theme parks, makes a topical joke. That's why he goes, this place is surprisingly easy to break into. It was a reference to a real person that broke into the Ed Sullivan Theater. No idea. Wow. Well, Well, I've learned something before we've even, before he's even gotten in the door. (laughs) This is great. Well, the budget, yeah, the budget is a topical reference thing, too. Like, uh, uh, I think the one thing that's missing is that he didn't say like everyone be careful on this stairs. We don't need another injury. Like <laughs> the scariest villain of all is the workers' comp man. Yeah. Uh, in total, six people were injured while working on Spider Man. Uh, uh, and one of the uh, at least one of them was injured twice. <laughs> and Jeez. like people get injured, come back, get injured again, and then leave. <laughs> So this show fraught with peril, extremely expensive, as the Goblin himself mentions, and giant story problems. It was like horribly reviewed by the New York Times and all the major Broadway Mm -hmm. press, and they shut the whole thing down. And in fact, this song, A Freak Like Me Needs Company, was part of the revamped version of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark 2.0. This is one of the big additions so this is this is late in the game and an attempt at an enhancement of a troubled show also (laughs) to contextualize it this was the second spider-man turn off the dark performance on david letterman within six months wow uh the first one was the song rise above which (laughs) did that get cut from the er no no it was like a centerpiece i think of the show boy falls from the sky sky you could say i think boy falls from the sky is probably the best song i would say this is the best you song think, <laughs> by well, a mile level yes okay yeah i, I think yeah. boy from, falls from the levels. sky is like sort of like by the numbers you two and this yeah. is at least something this is something <laughs> this well some of the other songs like boy falls falls from the sky you can feel the bono and edge influence mm-hmm. in it very strongly this there is such a disconnect between that bono did i disagree it. completely with that <laughs> i <laughs> think that bono and the edge if you are into the u2 uh pop mart and zuropa yeah, yeah. and octung baby eras this is right in that wheelhouse it's the, you're right that it's like the normal u2 bono yeah. that's not what this is but as a non a non-encyclopedic uh, YouTube uh, non fan, I guess. I, I just uh, there. I don't listen to them or not listen to them. I don't whatever either way. But uh, yeah, I I was not aware of that evil characters doing hijinks is part of the U2 mythology. Yes, uh, in general. We're talking, of course, about Bono's alter ego, Mister McFisto. <laughs> Who is a man with a white painted face and devil ears and, and a who, gold sparkly <laughs> suit, gold sparkly and fancy, suit and fancy shoes that mm-hmm. he shows off. And he, yeah, he does. He's not gruff like the Green Goblin. Uh-huh. He's kind of this lascivious. He's uh, the he Green has so Goblin. Many feels that he just has to whine. But I think that is who. I think you could see Mr. McFisto leading the Sinister Six in this. Is what I'm saying. Absolutely. He he is very much in that. In that, uh, like, the, uh, what this is what he first of all, this is what he thinks super villains and heroes are. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it's evidenced if you if 
I was doing karaoke two nights ago, and this is unrelated to, I wasn't thinking of this when I was doing it, but I put on the song, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, which is from Batman Forever, which is U2. And it's such a, it's the first part of this song in my head. It's a little bit more mm-hmm. U2 sounding, but it's very much in line with his like attitude about like characters. And really when we get down to it, he's just treating these characters like they're weirdo art people from New York. That's who we're all yeah. just trying to. bad to... guy. I just, I'm just a little, I'm, I'm a kook and I have kooky <laughs> ideas. The collection of people they assembled to make this, uh, uh, Julie Taymor, Bono, the, and the way they talked about it, like, all of them talked about it. It's like, well, it's like rock and Broadway and a circus and wrestling. <laughs> and it is very much the way regular people think like fancy rich people talk about art. <laughs> and it, But it's about Spider-Man. It's about the most like everyday working man superhero. Like, Well, and primarily to me, with all the buildup and all the expense and all the pretension and the level of like... D, you know, Bono, Edge, Julie Tamar, all of them beyond just like, you know, revered professionals that they, they are like gods to be in these mm-hmm. fields. And that yeah. then you see it, especially you, if you don't know nothing else about the show and then you watch just this Letterman performance, you're like, how did all of them <laughs> add up to Spider-Man rocks at Universal Studio? Yep. It just yeah. is. It is so similar to the dumb show, which we reviewed uh, many, many episodes ago. But like, there's no, this is, it's just broad <laughs> theme parky, bright colors, no texture, no uh, uh, yeah. nuance. Yeah. And not a good, like, Pop by U2 is an album people don't like. I like half of Pop, and it's the songs feel so much more sophisticated than this. It's so, like, especially a, go on Spotify and listen to the recorded version of it. It is so tinny. It sounds like yeah. the fakest, flattest garage band hip-hop. Yes. And Jason, you're talking about personnel of this thing. Let me add a couple more on to, to this list. The... Uh, it was produced by this track was produced by Steve Lillywhite yeah. produced all of the classics the, the, the main he's U2's primary producer he produced all the Dave Matthews bands like the big Dave Matthews man albums and mm-hmm. songs he produced for Peter Gabriel Psychedelic Furs Rolling Stones The Pogues XTC's song Making Plans for Nigel and A Freak Like Me Needs Company <laughs> he but because he was not like a, a rap guy and they wanted to bring kind of a street influence oh. No. thing they did uh, there was additional drum programming by a guy named Shay Taylor Shay Taylor produced Frank Ocean's think about thinking about you <laughs> think about you great uh, Beyonce's love on top great song and a lot of neo records <laughs> so, so they all had of these hit makers all of these hit makers are here it and sounds like an I could make a quality recording in an afternoon on garage band <laughs> that sounded exactly the quality of the record the like official cast recording of that song yeah, it's so thin, mm-hmm. so tinny. Uh, uh, it's I, I, it's inexplicable to me. And then let me let me also build up the scene. How I feel lucky the way I got to experience this thing. That before several commercial breaks, before the Green Goblin did his immortal burst into the Solomon mm-hmm. <laughs> Theater doors, uh, 
it was an entire Bono and Edge episode of oh. David Letterman. Mm-hmm. They were on the couch and they told stories about, you know, all of the amazing humanitarian work that Bono does. And they talked about uh, about the tradition, you know, about Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tin Pan Alley and, you know, to partake in this tradition. <laughs> and uh, and then insufferable. <laughs> God damn it. I'm getting mad. I just know. Hearing. I know. And then and then they talk about their songwriting process and. And they talk about building up the song that I do like, the song Stuck in a Moment You Can't Get Out of. Uh-huh. And yeah, the I Edge like pulls out an acoustic guitar and they perform the stirring acoustic before the lights come down. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's this like wonderful acoustic. You know, you two such a gigantic band and seeing this like intimate performance, which they explain in a lengthy setup that the song was written about the death of Michael Hutchins, the singer of In Excess, uh, a tragic, awful death. So all of this humanitarian work, the death of Michael Hutchins, <laughs> Tin Pan Alley, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and then, all right, we'll be right back with the cast of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. And then, well, New York City, The other thing, I mean, this... Th- there's a lot of conflicting emotions because I I do like this. I think on the level, I'm sure you guys probably there's a level you like it of like look at this spectacle. What is this? This expensive monstrosity. So As a comics great. fan, I'm horrified. Oh, um, I see. That's oh it. no, that's uh, no. I couldn't disagree this, with that more. What do you mean? No, can't we, this is this is nonsense. This is great, like sixties. It's not no, the quality of sixties Batman. Sixties Batman. <laughs> nonsense. How dare you? But this is this is like comics have so much trash even, associated with them. I'm just saying, like this yeah. shouldn't make you that upset. There's so much great comics trash that you and I like. I mean, I get my thing. I think is like why why does the Green Goblin? I like the Green Goblin this, outfit best of all. Everything else looks like weird walk around characters from a theme park or like inflatable mini Macy's table like they have the the money and they have the costuming know-how to make here's my point okay here's my point there's a version of like a much more serious Spider-Man musical where the Green Goblin comes out and he's wearing like I don't know maybe a little bit less of a goofy outfit and he sings like a serious Green Goblin song and I just, there's no way to pull that off. There's no way that's no, going to no, be good. No, no, that would be bad in the other direction. I just, I, that's like, I think saying like Batman and Robin is a movie is bad, which it is bad, but it's great. Yeah. It's fantastic, but it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's, this is bad, but it's fantastic. Batman Forever is like closer to, if, if, if you're, if you're like flipping a coin, like a two-faced coin, the Batman Forever lands, I think, more on the side of good, bad, and Batman and Robin's like, all right. Okay. Yeah, it, for sure. Cool. I agree with that, but also it's fantastic in the way that this is fantastic because it's just so bad. Just realizing is- <laughs> a swarm, a man made of mutant bees just came out, and I just realized a bee fell off his suit as it jumped out. <laughs> yes, one of the best things, and that you're hearing about the the Julie Taymor level of detail and artistry, and then immediately a bee falls off of the bee, bee man the first up. villain who comes out these I'm are clearly it. inspired by like the heightened puppetry and costuming of the lion king sure but it it just looks so bizarre like Kazar, like yeah, uh, not looks, craven the hunter looks so odd they look different they look like they're in different universes too all i'm saying is this is glorious trash yes and com- i would much rather have glorious trash than like the like those amazing spider-man movies those second round of Spider-Man well, movies that were very boring and too. flat. 
a lot of the the Steve Ditko designed original Sinister Six. There's a reason in the comics the costumes have changed very little since the sixties, and the stuff that's kind of a let that like the Spider Man movies. It's always like, uh, uh, well, we got to put him in a trench coat, and then Spider Man outfit has to have a lot of superhero outfits. Now always have a lot of bubble. Like, why do they all look like scales? Scales, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It drives me nuts in superhero. Like, why didn't just give them? latex or leather i don't know so but they it, don't slip by a pool they i guess that's true mm-hmm. yeah hey everybody tim heidecker here with huge news office hours live recorded another episode live it was one of our great ones with the great rory scoville who's got a new special out on max oh yeah and the trinity's here dj doug pound yes hello and victor burger the fourth hi 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 can't wait for the fifth we enjoy the heck out of doing the show and so will you if you find us on the podcast app of your choice now I it's let me let me say what I think is I think absolutely the song itself is defendable I think the costumes are mm-hmm. defendable I think the Green Goblin costume and performance are defendable but here I think is really where it tilts is that you when I, I, we should also maybe kind of go through this chronologically a little bit but when the Green Goblin bursts in the door and there's a it's green lit and there's a bunch of green smoke it's gonna loop back around here in a minute in the video we're watching the backup dancers oh yeah yeah these people who lean really close to camera with their broad broadway <laughs> makeup and costumes these guys these guys they're the original b-boys from hell all right <laughs> stay away from this crew like with how what are what are all right there's like dyed green hair there's like you know silver makeup smeared like not carefully applied they don't care about careful makeup application he's wearing like a splash in our face they're like like the dancers from the uh horny number in all that jazz ran headfirst into the cast of hackers and then this came out (laughs) beautiful wow yeah that is a good way to put i was just gonna say he's a guy in flannel they were like wearing flannel shirts and like cheap tank tops the women doing the scary faces, like yeah. making jazz hands and going, ha, uh-huh. that's that. that yeah, loses, yeah. Some of the costumes are just a green hat <laughs> tilted to the side. Uh-huh. They don't care about traditional hat directions. Uh, I'll put my brim where I want. And then some of them are literally, some of these people are just a, a girl with a green scrunchie and kind of like a green and black workout outfit. And that makes her evil. Yeah, it's She's weird. bad now. It is, yeah. It, is, it makes everything feel cheap. That is the thing that makes it feel cheap. If they were all dressed like other, like Green Goblin henchmen, which I don't believe henchmen, I don't believe he ever had those in the comics, right? It's kind of like heavy. It's just kind of like, like goons. heavy goons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if there were like thugs, you know, in a way, yeah, that, that would be better. But yes, they're they look like. They ran out of money, and they were like, "Just go to the go to the Rite Aid and see if there's some tank tops and hats on the shelf there." Somehow, they, I I think a lot of uh, again, I love this as spectacle, but some of my resistance is coming from the fact that it's such a hodge. It's not quite comics. It's not quite rock and roll. It's not quite even Broadway. I think it's that theme song, parks. It's theme parks. I it's guess that's theme why we're talking parks. about it. Yeah, that's all. That's I what guess it is. That is looking at it from that lens. It makes a hundred percent sense. Is, it's maybe it's like okay, we think that that, that Aladdin show. 
Uh, that was it. California Adventure for a long time where the genie tells silly topical jokes. Mm-hmm. That just, that is what it is. You know what you're getting when you go in there. I'll have fun. I'll laugh at it. Silly, but let's have a good time. But if you found out that the score was written by Loudon Wainwright or <laughs> Leonard Cohen or somebody and that like, you know, and that they're, you know, that it took them eight years uh-huh. to land on, you know, this ge- the, like making, she- a, making a, the genie making a slap chop joke. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I think it's the the balance of if this just was if they let it just be purely this is dumb and silly, but the fact that there's that Bono pretension makes you have to judge it more on the Julie Taymor the Taymor yeah. pretension yeah. even more so. Yes, it seems like Taymor's pretension outweighs Bono's pretension by like twenty per, twenty. I don't know twenty percent is stupid. Two hundred percent. She bailed too. She no, she got fired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she got out of there somehow. That's she bailed when they made her bail. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and bon- and there's an interview where Bono says, "I, th- you know, I think, uh, you know, w- she was there the whole time, and I think, uh, you know, we were in and out because we were on tour, and we'd come back and we'd see obvious problems, and uh, uh, I think they were less obvious to her. And that's what this whole thing feels like when you go to a super wide shot of all of the freaks grinding around and punching in the air. You're like, how did no anyone with an out Outside perspective could have said you just made Spider-Man rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you all of this work and seven years of effort and playwriting got you to this. Um, yeah. Some of the other people involved in this, uh, a listener sent us that uh, Glenn Berger, uh, who co-wrote the the book, which uh, the book in a Broadway musical is is what the script is called. He wrote a book about the musical called Song of Spider-Man: yeah. The Inside Story which of I, the Most Controversial Musical in Broadway. Which I history. believe I have Scott's copy of upstairs. No, no, no. No, you gave it back to oh, me. Oh, I did. Okay, but I good. brought it back ah. here. Oh, good. Today. All right, leave it here and then. I, have, uh, I will. Yes, I brought bookmarks of relevant passages. Have you read all get. of it? I did read. Is all it of good? It. Uh, I think Glenn Berger has a pretty slanted view of <laughs> how it played out. And I think the book is entirely an effort to show that at every step he's like, see, I knew, I knew this was going to happen. I was right. I was well, right. This I tried was to like make his this better, first, but they wouldn't let me. First, like big gig, right? Like he's written kids cartoon. Was this like, his I'm first? not sure. Let's read his author bio. Well, he wrote the play underneath the lintel uh, and Oh, lovely glow worm. Um, and yes, he wrote for Arthur uh, on PBS, and and then the most damning thing in the author bio: Glenn spent six years co-writing the script of Spider-Man. Mm. Wow! Turn off the dark. Six years of your life goes the to that. Guy brought in uh, at the in the last few months to help fix it is uh, Roberto. I'm gonna massacre this last name: Aguirre Sacasa, who now. Uh, uh, makes is, is the person who makes the most sense working on this piece. He had written a bunch of Marvel comics. He was also a playwright, and he's written. He wrote on Big Love and Looking, and he wrote the script for the recent Carrie remake. He is the current uh, chief creative officer for Archie Comics and executive producer of Riverdale and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Whoa! Like he oversees those things. This lineup is so stacked. <laughs> the, the- yeah. The credits of this group are bonkers. And not to mention the man who plays 
the Green Goblin Patrick oh, yeah. Page, who's a Broadway luminary. I don't have the list offhand, but I believe he essentially ended up in this because I, I think he was the Grinch on Broadway, and and it's a similar. He's role. green. <laughs> yeah, he's a green. He's a green. Was he villain. Scar, or am I mixing my? Oh, thing up? I think he was maybe. Scar. I think he was yes. Scar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, but a very well respected actor. Yeah, I have no complaints. He's about good. Him. I think he's fun. As yeah, well. he's great, and he's having fun. He, uh, I think I saw him. I'm sure I probably did. He uh, did topical jokes also during the show. Man, what he did he did do? A shake weight joke. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he was like, had picked up some like device and he was like, oh, it's like a shake weight or something and big laugh. And then we had that show had to stop too because a Spider-Man got tangled up in a, a wire. The one you went to? Yeah. Oh my it God. Wasn't, nobody, nobody fell and broke their leg. It's just like a guy f- like flew from the balcony, swung onto the stage and then got caught on the side. And then like there was a pause and then it was like, Spider-Man will resume in five minutes. Like a theme park. Yes. And wow. then uh, he, when Green Goblin has a thing where he's like at a piano for some reason. So he's like playing like, we'll have to stop the show if something goes wrong. Like he, like he was doing, he was ad-libbing. Whoa. So yeah, it was so this full he, theme park. He would cover if shit happened? Yeah. So he, uh, I think he at was that great. point, after that many concussions and leg injury, <laughs> like they were probably had, yeah, a million alternative plans in place. I mean, I got to say uh, the thing, the interesting thing uh, to me uh, like all the bad reviews and stuff were because as soon as preview started, all the critics rush to see it, which is an unusual thing. And usually previews are a way to smooth out issues with like scenes and stuff. And, and it's it's not going to be the same show as when it officially opens. This was such a catastrophe. The critics were like, well, we got to see this immediately. Oh, we're desperate, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, just um, a side note. I was thinking about how much I would love to play the Green Goblin. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, he's this guy's given a hundred and ten percent. That's the funniest thing to me is how he comes in like a stadium is screaming his name. He is coming in hot. He's coming in ready to go. I think though he's giving it. He's so confident. He's not giving it a hundred percent. He's giving it seventy five. But he's so confident. There's a couple oh, like dance 75. steps. <laughs> a couple dance steps he does that are like very late. He's an older. I think he's like in his fifties or something. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's not a great. But he does a couple dance steps later on. Maybe. I should zoom it where he does kind of like he's in step, but you can tell he's like not a dancer. Yeah. And maybe yeah. not trying very hard. Like, like I kind of this slow little stomp. Yeah. Like um, I, I can't I'm not even trying to put him down. I think it was the right choice to not like go. Let me see where it is here. The other uh, everybody else is hoofing it more. Than yes. Him, everyone's sure. going oh, nuts. Sure. And yeah. he is uh, he's hold he is just holding the attention of the audience. The but. little point he just did what we just saw where he like points three times. I saw footage of Julie Taymor. Here, with here. A glove oh, sorry. On. Sorry. Here we go. Oh, yes. That stomp backwards. He doesn't have much mo- as much mobility as the people in workout wear. I'm just saying him. he's in time, but he's not like you, he's not given the Springsteen effort in the fourth encore is what I'm saying. Well, that's my favorite. I think in that part, they're singing the light light and all the freaks. And they all kind of go up like that And they all like swoop with their hands uh-huh. Like zombies It's just the most That's really 
these backup dancers yeah. being scary. That is truly where it, it gets silly and loses yeah. me. Uh, but I was saying that point, I saw Julie Taymor coaching him in how to point. She Whoa. has a glove on and she's like, make sure you're like, that's footage you can watch in a 60 minutes piece. Wow. Um, so here, now that we've looped back around, he bre- <laughs> okay, let's, let's say what's happening. The Green Goblin breaks in from the back. Topical Joe walks in, struts into the Ed Sullivan Love Theater, it. owns it, and he's already planted a gang of freaky freaks mm-hmm. in trench coats. And then he joins and them. Coats. Say, and lab, lab coats. And lab coats. There's scientist yeah. people, too. And then over here on the right, you've got, like, a guy in front of a laptop <laughs> who looks like a modern Getty Lee <laughs> crossed with the crow uh, uh, who's, like, leading the band. And that's another funny thing about this, that... The, this is being played live by the David Letterman band mm-hmm. with Paul Schaefer. Let's add another luminary to this list. <laughs> yeah. And the part where uh, the Green Goblin walks up to Paul Schaefer and sings next to him. That's truly one of the highlights. Also, what we're looking at right now where he sticks his <laughs> tongue out and it's like the Gene tongue's Simmons green. and yeah. the tongue is green. Do you think that he had to like eat a green sucker right every, before he went out? A green apple sucker? Did he do it every night is the question on Broadway. Did they need know. it to be green even though for the people in the front row? Michael, I have a question. Is Norman Osborn in this musical? Uh, yes, he is. Is it the same actor playing Norman Osborn? I and believe so. Goblin? Really? They believe, got that yeah. costume on. I think. They did a costume. Wow. That's my memory of it. Because hmm. um, every other villain has just is basically name checked in this and they're just like dispatched easily. Mm-hmm. But he's in yeah, it. They're not really. I, yeah, I had a feeling or he was what the only we? one really fleshed out. So let's just. All right. Lyrics. I mean, we. I know this thing by heart. But yeah, sure. We already covered it. But I just love. Uh, it's similar to like I don't know like the how hard I laughed at the first line of the room the first time I saw it. You're just like so like hi babe. You're so in and that like if there's any question of like is this thing silly or good or bad or that when he the way he phrases if you're looking for he's got his and he's gonna have commit that's it just tunes you perfectly and then the reference to how expensive it is and then he explains that he's the new Coney Island and all the rides are open and free. Uh-huh. And he also I also like what he's what he says of um um me like he's such a freak that he all he needs to say is um me and you know that's the craziest thing you could be so if you were reading into this and you didn't know what the context was he's like looking to have sex tonight right <laughs> like if you it's, didn't know we, I, I don't know yeah i think you're i think your body meter's going off again maybe i'm a but he's like he's he needs company a freak like me needs company well, here's a little uh, story from the making of the show that when this title was first presented as a pair, okay, apparently a bond is working on a new song. It's called a freak like me needs company. And the director said, no, 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 no. It needs to be a freak like me needs family because his view of the song is that he's a guy, he's a loner. And now he's going to form his own family by mm. giving people poisons and chemicals. And now he's got this family of freaks. So, there, I think this is a little bit of contention. Maybe in hmm. some people's mind it is about sex, but in other people's mind it's about family. Well, and, <laughs> and this is interesting because in, in the original, uh, uh, the Sinister Six, who first appeared in 1964's Amazing Spider-Man annual number one, which I looked up, the the way they come together is uh, uh, Doc Ock breaks out of prison 
and contacts everyone who has been beaten by Spider-Man. And the ones who show up and get back to him decide they want to fight Spider-Man because they've all been humiliated by him. They've all been defeated by him. But they can't get their act together uh, to work together. So they fight Spider-Man one at a time in a gauntlet. And sure enough, he dispatches all of them. And they're humiliated once again. And they're and because it's Steve Ditko still drawing it, they're all very gross and ugly looking. Okay. Wow. Um, oh, so Sinister Sticks, a, a like hallmark of Spider-Man for hallmark. many yeah. years. Yeah, and there's point. been a lot of different member. There's been a lot of different members over the years, uh, including in this one, Swiss Miss, a character created for the musical. She's a woman made of knives, <laughs> <laughs> and they bragged about. I remember the media uh, coverage at the time was like, "Then there's a villain created just for the musical, and she's called Swiss Miss." And it's like, uh oh. <laughs> and what she does is strut up wave her knife arms twice and then go return to the back yeah <laughs> yep and that's it yep the end um the so the, so the lyrics though like in i've been told that what you're supposed to do when you're writing a musical is that the character is supposed to be somewhere different by the end of the song mm-hmm. character starts in a certain oh. place you're supposed to you're supposed to make like an actual like something happened in the narrative in the song that's what the song is for hmm. so the first verse is like he's looking for company then he explains in the chorus the weirdos are weirdos are there and then he has a crew in the second verse mm-hmm. so i guess he's looking for the people maybe he wants maybe he means sex is company maybe he just means literal company well maybe this is a good time to play the extra verse that's not in the letter oh, yeah right performance i don't have to play the whole thing but just a little it's really all about the first line of of uh, verse two and i think i'm looking at it i think i am also looking at it i got a crew a party animal mutants by my uh-huh, that's what I was looking at. I got a crew of body animal mutants. And the rest of the verse just really lays on. It truly becomes like a crew of freaks, because I'm a freak. Demon hairdo evil dressers who just won't be denied is <laughs> the next line of that. Yeah. <laughs> um... And I have another thing to say about what I think contributes to kicking this to the lamer side. Okay, imagine Bono's guide vocals, where mm-hmm. potentially he sings this the backup vocals like, like me needs company. And there, that's one way to sing it. But the way the singers do it is a freak like me needs company. <laughs> it's that super Broadway. Yeah, it should yeah. really hit each and it's three. So ba ba ba. Do you got that? Ba ba ba. It's very much like uh, Bob Balaban, the music director in Waiting for Guffman, explaining like and half of you will say blay and the other uh-huh. half of you will say blaine. Like these bizarre pronunciation rituals you just feel that lame broadway and no matter who wrote the song as long as it's a big broadway chorus doing it it's just gonna come off silly yeah um there would be i first of all i would think that the holy grail is to find the bono and edge demo of this Oh, if anyone for some reason. For some reason. Yeah, takes, yeah. Because he did, like, temp this. Yeah. He was, like, messing around in the studio with a loop. 
and improvising lyrics. And this is a passage in the book. If you don't mind me, maybe I'll turn to one of my first post-it sections. <laughs> sure. This is like, because I bought the book Song of Spider-Man with the hopes that it was 100% about the Letterman performance of Freak Like Me. <laughs> but in fact, the Freak Like Me content is pretty small, which is disappointing. But this one part did not let me down. And uh, let me find it. So the song, you know, they got to rush this song out because the play is up and running and they got to introduce it and rehearse it and get it in there sooner than later. So it's the middle of the night. Bono is lying on a ratty couch in the middle of the recording room, improvising goblin lines over an endless groove. Uh, he was in character, a dissipated lounge lizard shaking off last night's bender and warming up for some new kicks. <laughs> like this. The, uh, he was scatting, hacking up tar, yawning, hackling into the mic. And then in the book, you get extra lyrics that are nowhere to be found uh -huh. in the song. And, uh, he didn't have to cover your ears, Mike, because he gets a tad body. Uh -oh. uh, uh, he, you know, he's not worried about it. He's just letting it flow. They'll edit it down later. But here's what comes out of Bono's mouth. Bring out the dancing girls. The crossroads of the world needs a little resurrection. It used to be really rotten around here. Now can't even buy me an erection. <laughs> So it's the middle of the night. Bono's on the floor saying hacking that tar. shit. Hacking up tar. Apparently hacking up tar, preparing, which is troubling. Preparing for his kicks. No, no, no. He's just playing the character. Yeah, yeah he's not lounge. really hacking up tar. Oh, I see. Slurring okay. like he was three sheets to the wind. With stained, can you tell this was written by a, a Broadway book writer? Mm. Uh, it's with stained silk bathrobe bravado. He thinks it's he's awesome. Sang. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he loves. And he's like, well, he's watching an artistic process in action right uh, uh he he watched him improvise the line about 65 million dollar circus tragedy how did he come up with that i don't know <laughs> bono's a genius oh, he's that got a good. spreadsheet with all the numbers on it <laughs> and how much it's affecting his bottom line <laughs> mm, he was protected. Uh, he's got to sell an island it should um, say though uh this musical did set the record for one week broadway sales once uh during one of its uh, weeks of its run we at 2.9 yeah. million. Jeez. Uh, okay. But its operating costs were estimated to be $1 million a week. So Shh. I think it did end up being profitable. Okay. Because it did. Yeah. And it also ran for two and a half I years. I think they broke even or something. Yeah. They so at least broke it even. Profitable. So also, or, and the guy compares what Bono was doing to like Tom Waits. So there's a little bit of Tom Waits influence <laughs> oh, in, in, uh, uh, in Which Green there, Goblin. There's a lot of Tom Waits influence on Heath Ledger's Joker. And that's I'm just being oh, serious. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's I that recently clip. learned that too. Yeah, if you, there's a clip of like him talking, Tom Waits being like, "Hey, Thursday," and then you like they show the clip of Heath Ledger, and you're like, "Oh yeah, though it's the voice." It's the and same the way voice. he kind of like smacks his lips and shakes mm -hmm. his head around, and yeah, so the little all the great supervillains have some right. Tom Waits, um, but also in the demo when they say a freak like me needs there was it was the edge it was the edge stacked on itself oh. multi-tracked so this demo does exist and we oh, have to get we gotta get it. it yeah but here's where it gets truly insane it's march 17th as they're doing this it's the middle of the night and all in new york's most famous freaks are flooding the streets <laughs> so who should walk in into the recording session of the song but Elvis Costello. <laughs> Let one more luminary. Costello is in the building while they're doing this. He's wearing a pair of devil horns like Mr. Mr. McFisto. Like Mr. McFisto. <laughs> uh, uh, 
So Bono invites Elvis to Steve Lillywhite is there. They play ah. him the track. Elvis listened intently, hardly moving until the songs were over. And after he said some very complimentary things and headed out into the night, Bono said, yeah, I heard the songs through his ears and there are some things we need to fix. Then writer Glenn Berger goes on to say, and that's what you get with a community of artists. There's an exchange of ears and it's all about how he's isolated, but right. he doesn't have company of freaks like Bono and Costello have with each other. I love Costello coming in and going like, this is good. Like they're all just like kissing each other's ass and stuff about it. <laughs> this is good. It requires Ooh, a willingness to be self-critical. These guys, these guys in the devil horns had it. <laughs> this book. Yeah. I'm sure these guys are real self-critics. I'm sure <laughs> Bono and the edge, super self-aware still very hard, very uh, hard on themselves. Do you think Costello was like, you should have like a, um, you should have like a knife woman. You know, it'd be fun as if you have like a knife, a knife, a knife well, what's right, Anyway, back a knife. to drinking. Bye. <laughs> he sticks his head back in. Maybe a gun, a gun woman. Guns are scarier. It's up to you. It's your show. I don't want to All be right. prescriptive. Um, See you at Sardis. <laughs> if, if Costello had like written a line in this, that, that would be a great lore. Yeah, I don't like think they fake story of Prince writing uh, mm-hmm. um, the frozen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bother, uh, right. Cold didn't bother me anyway. Yep. Um, this is I. You know, Mike, listening to the song a million times before recording this really gives me a new appreciation of the City Walk Saga theme song. What do you mean? Although apparently sure. some people were haunted by uh, Sublime Hot Topic in Cinnabon trying well, to figure out. There was a lot of mystery in the what weather, my intention was behind writing uh, the lyric. W- yeah. Was I talking about Sublime the store or was I saying that Hot Topic was Sublime? sublime. And here I'll and say this now. I'm not going to tell. Yeah. <laughs> well, another tool. An artist has to be ambiguous. Who are you? I mean, <laughs> you did a demo of the vocal. Like Bono, you did a demo of the song before it was, you were yes. re- replaced by uh, the Broadway caliber, Zach Reno. Uh, d- did you, were you channeling anyone uh, while singing that song? Um, well, I assume Tom Waits, but besides that, Tom Waits, uh, I was sort of more of like a Gregor. I was kind of getting in the place of like the Gregorian chants. That's what I was sort of <laughs> yes. thinking, like a, like uh, primitive music. I was sort of trying to hills, think. Yes, you can feel the spirits, uh-huh. and uh, you know, it's really the pre before City Walk. There were the hills of Ireland, <laughs> but of course, all uh, popular rock and roll goes back to Muddy Waters and uh, Mississippi Delta. And- I. Blind Willie Jefferson. Blind Willie. Uh, uh, Brian Eno via Mike Post, I'll say. <laughs> hey, great. Yes. Yeah. Um, why didn't Eno, uh, why didn't they get Eno down to consult on this? Yeah, Eno was horns. a big, Eno was Octung Baby, uh, right? He kind of played, uh, um, well, I guess he didn't play characters. He, uh, you know, uh, uh, he could be a, a malevolent figure in certain songs. I'm sorry, I just have to point out. So Letterman is on stage standing in front of Swiss Miss and her knife knee pad is still spinning. It has not stopped spinning. That's great. It's, oh, wait. We and just once up. you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, okay. So we've established in the song that all the freaks in New York City are out tonight. All the weirdos are all around. But we need further proof of this. And Mm. so there is a roll call of Mm -hmm. each member of the Sinister Six. Perhaps we should go through them. Uh, You've got a really, oh, the, I don't know. It's hard to pick a favorite 
line or anything, but for sure, we got a man made entirely out of mutant bees. He's kind of tossing <laughs> it off. He's getting a little half-assed. Uh, and then, of that course, would be, the bee falls off. Yeah, that would be Swarm. Uh, first appearance, Champions number 14, July 1977. Uh, <laughs> this uh, character, I, I think the actual comics design of Swarm, it is just a mass of bees. Uh, the character has been from Wikipedia, the character has been depicted as a former Nazi sympathizer and has been mainly featured as an enemy of Spider-Man. His entire body is composed of bees surrounding his skeleton. And on top of that, he has a big purple cloak. So that's one of those things like, oh, only in comics Mm -hmm. until Broadway came along. Until somebody put a bunch of sticks on a yellow and black uh, uh, unitard. Yeah. um, uh, Wait, who's who's next? What's the order? Oh, the Uh, the lizard. Yeah. Uh, isn't wait. it? No, I think it's the lizard. I think he comes it's the up lizard. The, he yeah. comes up the aisles, right? Right. And a li- and that's legitimately impressive that an inflatable dinosaur bursts out of mm-hmm. a, a scientist uh, out of his stomach. Uh, Electro is the guy with like a torch for in his hand. Correct. He's sparking a lot. Yeah, he has like cool spark effects, based. which I think they kind of use similar spark effects. You know how Letterman always always have those like spokes models with the metal that they would be like sparking when they would hit metal on metal. Does no one know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, he would have like just mod. I don't remember. Like they would be showcasing Is that something. That's where will it float. If it many different of times they would yeah. bring in these like women that had like metal and they would just like do these like sparking things mm-hmm. that would but it looks like a similar effect that electro has going oh, on i see that's also one of the top lines of the thing is we <laughs> hey ladies how about a human lightning bolt you want it you got it <laughs> lady uh, why ladies ele- <laughs> electro not to be confused with shocker spider-man's other electricity themed i love shocker. Uh, a big shocker fan as a kid he kind of the costume kind of looks like more it like is very similar than electrodes the is craven next i think i think it's craven the hunter and that's the joke he makes a joke which seems like he's implying that because craven the hunter jason you have facts on craven you want to read sure uh craven <laughs> uh real name sergey kravinov uh <laughs> a maniacal big game hunter who seeks to defeat spider-man to prove that he is the greatest hunter in the world mm-hmm. and he favors his bare hands he does not like using guns or bow and arrows in Craven's last hunt, he famously commits suicide, which is one of the most famous stories, right? Whoa. Yes, because he, he thinks he's killed Spider-Man. Right, but he hasn't. And won, but then, then he tries to replace him, and then it turns out he hasn't, so he commits suicide. <laughs> and uh, in the show, in the Spider-Man show, he says, like, Craven, the hunter, like, what he, I forget, I should have written down the line. It's like, he likes the animals, but maybe a little too much. <laughs> so that is about sex. That Craven is for sure implicated, implying that he's had sex with the, uh, the whatever lion or yeah. tiger he's his hanging looks around like with. the most like a lion king bro- on broadway style puppet because he's like a big cartoonish looking man and in his his mean his costume yeah here <laughs> he's it got is got a whip it, and leather pants it's a lion oh, ro- literally roars like the he's lion on his chest of the he's very good yeah. yeah it's really good and he factors into this other um, we're going to get direct you to another youtube video i recently discovered uh in which Spider-Man and the Green Goblin put their differences aside to hold a press conference about Halloween costume safety. Mm -hmm. There is... Please look this up or we'll put it in the show notes or something that the Green Goblin... Spider-Man's not really talking. He stands off to the side and the Green Goblin handles it. Uh, Different actor playing the Green Goblin. But he says, now Spider-Man and I, we've had our differences, many of which have played out on the public stage. But there's one thing that we can agree on. 
and that's Halloween safety. And then and then he like <laughs> it pans around the other villains. Like now my friends here are dressed very outlandishly, but they make sure to have uh, maximum visibility at night. And these uh, these sad reporters have to be there outside the theater covering this non-event. It's so funny. Uh, uh, and then and then <laughs> anyway, it, uh, I'm a fantastic supervillain, but I do want to say blue lives matter. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know these guys. They're out on the they're uh, hoofing it every, every day, day, putting their lives on the line. Uh, and you know, stop and frisk works. It's a word we wouldn't have used it for so long if it had a word. Come on, Mayor De Blasio. Come on. Well, it was 2011, so <laughs> yes, they all, all run, turn I'll re- their. I'll, I'll replace you next uh, next election. <laughs> uh, he all, and then it goes to like a very bland police officer just reading facts about like do not wear all black costumes. Make sure you have reflective materials on your. And during that. Craven the hunter leans in behind him and kind of like cranes his head and smiles <laughs> as these dull facts about safety are listed. It's the funny. These villains are truly left with like, well, my, the only thing I can do is writhe around mm-hmm. and look evil. And so what do they do when we're talking about like, kids, don't uh, make sure that candy's wrapped. Make sure you got no needles in there. <laughs> they're, they're at a loss. If it's, you're going as cops and robbers or cowboys, Boys, make sure there's an orange cap on the end of your toy costume pistol. <laughs> oh, you are too careful dead. these days. You are dead. You are smoked, son. Um, so that's a great video. Check that out. Uh, Craven the Hunter, the all star of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? No, no, now we got. Uh, I don't remember his name. Carnage. Carnage. Cletus Cass- Cassidy. Cassidy. Jason, you want to yeah. give us some uh, the symbiote? Yeah. We- Carnage is interesting to me because the uh, the original idea was that. Um, uh, uh, the writer uh, David uh, is it Michelin? David Michelin? Oh yeah, I don't know. He wrote a lot of Spider-Man comics. He was going to kill off uh, Venom. He wanted to kill off Venom. Um, and uh, big mistake. Big mistake because he was too hit. popular, uh, too successful, and and management was like, well, we can't kill him off. And eventually, the storyline became, we'll kill off Craven. Mm-hmm. But uh, similarly, they they he could not make venom they needed someone even more extreme than venom mm-hmm. so they made carnage a sim- similar symbiote based uh spider-man enemy but cletus cassidy is a fucking psychopath mm-hmm. car car uh, uh venom has a moral comp even compass, though it's twisted yeah. he's got a moral compass but carnage is just fucking crazy man <laughs> yeah that yeah he's a very 90s character i mean venom is a yeah. 90s character but Carnage is '90s baby, like extreme oh, yeah. and violent, and Venom created at the end of the '80s, I believe. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And and, and pre, pre uh, ahead of the just like Cable, and then just became when the '90s just ran with these extreme characters. You end up with Carnage, carnage. <laughs> uh, and it the way this extreme the extreme nature of Carnage is presented in the Letterman performance is he killed his grandmother and tortured his mother's dog my kind, my of, kind guy, of guy Carnage uh, shout out Carnage uh, that's the first time also he's talked about actually killing. I yeah. think too. So yeah. like, oh yeah, that's pretty thrown away. Yeah, it's these are p- literal murderers. Don't right. forget, it's uh, pretty innocent up until that. Mm-hmm. Up until he says, "We got a guy in the team who killed someone," and he's. Where does Car- Carnage has a grandmother? I honestly don't. Well, the history of Carnage is a little cloudy to me. Yeah. I assume he killed some person in his family. 
He was just like a he was like a really crazy I hillbilly think he was kind character. Of, I think the timing works out where when he would have been uh, created and and started in the comics lines up with. Um, Silence of the Lambs being a big hit movie. Mm. So it's kind of like, oh, it's like Venom meets Hannibal Lecter. Because like mm. Carn- the whole, all the early Carnage storylines were like, this guy's so crazy. He'll just straight up murder people in cold blood. Like any, any nuance or any like, well, he's tortured because of this reason. Like uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Octopus in the second Spider-Man movie. Uh, uh, he's tortured because he's trying to find this prove this scientific formula and and he's but then he's haunted by his wife dying in the process that's gone carnage is just a straight up psychopath (laughs) Mm -hmm. which but there's something about it being his grandmother that just makes it feel like you know he he, he told his teacher to suck eggs Uh, yeah Um, (laughs) that would seem like it would be more appropriate for what had come before in the song yeah 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 that it's all it's no there's no reference made it's just we're gonna have a freaky party yeah anyway he he killed his grandmother (laughs) he was uh you know they stacked the jury so he got off it wasn't totally clean uh, you know look i think they i think they bought that election and they had some sway with the da but uh anyway he's out on the street Uh, i've got some thoughts on partisan judges (laughs) (laughs) i and then you and then you got swiss miss the most tough off of all and oh wait, wait, one more there you go okay so we gotta keep there you go um yeah, there is a female also okay bye that that's kind of um i forget what i forget the character's name in in the spider-man ride in florida scream are you scream, referencing yes one of one There's of a yellow Carnage's, symbiote yeah one lady. of symbiote spinoffs and it it made it sound like well, we got to have a girl bad guy. Like in both of these, it's it, it does feel so tossed off. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't go Black Cat or like, I mean, she's like a tweener if you're if, if something, but she could be a bad guy, you know? Yeah. She doesn't, she could be in this, in this an universe. An anti-hero, bit of an anti-hero. Black Cat, she's good sometimes, sometimes she's bad, <laughs> we don't know. Black Cat, there you go. Very young, has a streak, has a lot of white hair. <laughs> Think she's like Catwoman? She is. <laughs> <laughs> her biggest, uh, her biggest crime is being a rip-off artist. <laughs> uh, intellectual property theft. Oh, bad. <laughs> So that all is so delightful. He's just the most theme parky villain. He's so much like the genie. He's so much like he's like Bugsy. He's like exactly like Bugsy. Yes, that's true. He is a lot <laughs> like Bugsy. Just a devil. Mm, but he, he's he's mean, but he's also cheeky. I think, he's kind of <laughs> cute. I think this. I am so upset. This isn't still running on Broadway. There yeah. was a rumor it was gonna be running, and they were gonna move it to Vegas, which is the perfect place this for is it. A hundred percent Vegas. And they never yeah. like get the funding to move everything, but. Um, I'm going to throw a pitch your way. Here's a, here's a plus it up. I have a pitch too, but yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm saying your pitch. No, there's not, I don't think there is. I think it's a different, I think that here's this, this is the merger I want to make happen between a couple, like not 100% successful musicals, but I think you do this pair up and it's perfect. Uh, the Jimmy Buffett musical Escape from Margaritaville <laughs> uh-huh. proceeds as it did, whatever the hell happened in that show. But right. halfway through, well, 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 <laughs> what's this, a little beach party? Uh, oh, it looks like y'all are getting laid, huh? <laughs> Look, I make jokes. Uh, uh, so they, like, maybe, I, maybe I need to rain on your little uh, sunny parade. <laughs> and, like, him, the Green Goblin yeah. as a threat within Escape from Margaritaville mm-hmm. would form the greatest musical ever achieved. There's no doubt 
doubt about it. I mean, there's no, yeah, there's no reason not to do that. <laughs> Just to have a uh, main character of the Margaritaville musical, Tully Mars. Need some help, Tully Mars? Spider-Man! <laughs> Thank God you're here. The, the actor playing Tully Mars has broken both legs. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, multiple Tully Marses swinging in from the balconies. <laughs> Tully and Spider-Man swing, yeah. Now, that's a problem because those swings have to be precisely timed mm-hmm. and choreographed. And Tully Mars ain't never worn a watch. <laughs> He's on his own time. Well, he's on, He's on island, island time. time, obviously. And in the end of the show, like the Green Goblin's getting threatened, and he's gonna—he like talked to the mayor, and he's gonna cancel summer. <laughs> For but sure. then he sees them all drinking margaritas, and he's like, "Wait a minute, drinks can be green. <laughs> Toss one of those my way, brother." And then they all cheers and party together. Uh huh. And then they sing like a mashup of. Margaritaville and Boy Falls from the Sky. <laughs> I'm into that. Wasted away again, Margaritaville. Yeah, no, that's not what I was going to pick. The Julie Taymor lost shaker of salt that's a living creature with like, oh, multiple yeah. horrifying <laughs> That's <laughs> great. <laughs> children, All the characters. children crying at the appearance of the salt shaker. <laughs> Certainly the cheeseburger is also an anthropomorphic cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> paradise he's got a big floppy cheese tongue lapping around mm-hmm. the uh, volcano would be real or it would be like that volcano from the pixar short who's sad oh yeah sure <laughs> lava actu- why did they use actual lava julie Taymor insisted <laughs> on real lava the cast all their feet got singed they'll never walk again <laughs> oh god the safety strap wasn't fully on their harness and then they stepped in lava <laughs> that's a real <laughs> insult to insult to no in- injury to injury no insults at all man uh, do you have another uh, pitch my or? pitch was honestly not as good my pitch was just that i want to see bono on the edge it's about time i think for them to tackle another superhero property because we had batman forever then we had spider-man i think it's time for them to do another oh. big famous superhero and i'm open to pitches on this but i mean like i there needs to be like an iron man musical written by bono and the edge or something ah, sure. a big like a big superhero and get their take like what is when bono and the edge want to write a song where the Mandarin is the villain. What what kind of song are we going to get? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm the freaky little Mandarin. I know, I know nothing else about the Mandarin, but, but that's I mean, the song. For sure, like harpsichord, like Asian-inspired influences, and like Bono, Bono certainly getting into a problematic character headspace before he's doing the lyrics for the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. think we're oh, the f- 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 freaky, fantastic voice. <laughs> Uh, or at the very least, an original IP of all U2 characters from the tours as its own musical superhero kind of a mashup oh, thing. Yes. Wait, who will tell, take us through some other characters? Well, Bono is like the pop tour. Bono is like a box is the boxer and he's got like a big <laughs> like robe on and like. It's Bono is usually the interesting character on the show. Well, so can I pitch where it would take place? Oh, please go for it. Uh, Joshua Tree National Park. <laughs> no, that's the different. That's a different era. <laughs> I just mean a setting. Yeah, you could combine it. Yeah. All right, one fine, thing, fine. It's a jukebox musical. Wait, your your YouTube musical is just like three albums worth. <laughs> it's not even a Jurassic. Oh yeah, that's all my favorite YouTube stuff. Is all the nonsense with okay. the char- characters and stuff and people stuff. don't like. 
the stuff that people people like Octung Baby, but people get a little bit weird about the uh, Mr. McFisto stuff <laughs> well, for you, some reason. You've also, of course, got in, if it's a if it's multiple Bono villains and characters meeting, you got to get Doctor Robert, the character he played in Julie Taymor's film Across oh, the right, Universe from the Beatles song. Uh huh. <laughs> That's why this all happened. It it actually started with Bono and the Edge, not Julie Taymor, and they had one condition. The condition is Julie. That's so they caused that they created uh-huh. this monster Was and then this fired after the monster across the universe. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Uh huh. So you time. just saw how she just did not understand the Beatles, and they're like, "What if she could misunderstand Spider Man too?" <laughs> um, <laughs> and, the, and rap music in general, and Tom Waits. The other characters, I forget. The other characters on the Pop Mart tour, other than Mr. McFisto, were the, uh, Bono's the Fly character when he had big his giant glasses, mm-hmm. and then Mirror Ball Man. <laughs> but barf. <laughs> Um, I was looking at some articles about Mr. McFisto. I didn't really have time to do the full research. (laughs) I would have liked to. And I don't know how much I believe this. But according to U2Songs.com, Joel Schumacher, the director of Batman Forever, had met with Bono to discuss an on-screen role. Initially, it was thought that Bono would play a villain, but there were already two evil characters in the film already. So instead, Schumacher considered having Bono perform a song in costume as McFisto. McFisto is almost in the movie. I believe that. Yeah, I mean, I, like, yeah, I don't know why I would. Like, That's Cooley, a crazy movie. Coolio was in the second. It was in Batman and Robin, I believe. Like there are little weird cameos, right. and then there's like decent. I don't know. Drew Barrymore is in like a tiny role. Like there are mm-hmm. people that are put in the movie as is, and he did a song on the soundtrack, so it makes sense that like he met with him. And it makes sense Joel Schumacher would have been like, I like Mr. McFisto. This feels like a good time to bring this up. So I don't know if you guys had anything like this in your middle school music classes, Uh but uh, I sure did. And it's still confusing to me to this day. So we would get this. The music teachers would get these magazines uh, like glossy magazines that every student got a copy. And uh, uh, for a, like a, a couple weeks at least, uh, we would analyze a popular song using things we had learned in music classes. Mm. Uh, and the one year it was "Kiss from a Rose," ah. "Kiss by a Rose," "Kiss from a Rose," "Kiss from, from a Rose. Rose," and the next year it was "I Believe I Can Fly." Whoa! So uh, both of the big uh, Warner Brothers R and B crossover. Yeah, so maybe mm-hmm. that magazine. I mean, I'm sure that magazine was funded by a record label, probably Warner Brothers <laughs> Records. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, but it, it only went. We only did that. Maybe it's just the same teacher, but like I never did that again. Like the, a curriculum passed out on a professional level. Yes, like God. like that looked in like a magazine that looks like you know a thin floppy mm. Rolling Stone kind of thing. Which really. Maybe that gave you a thirst for like music and song and lyric analysis that led to this very podcast today. Mm. Like I'd like oh, to get maybe. that booklet now and say, okay, so um, let's move on to line three. I'm a rolling baby, rolling in the green, but I'm unique, a freak. Now, what do you make of that? 
I I love it. I love Batman Forever. I, I hope we keep doing a lot of Batman Forever talk and in, in general. Um, but, you know, for- we're we're missing a big component to what makes this video great. Which is that at at the end we get to see the real time reaction mm-hmm. of old of wonderfully cantankerous David Letterman mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> watching him. So he comes out and is kind of that bemused mode, like ho ho, oh boy, <laughs> uh, hey, and he makes this very odd lame joke. It's like a party at my mom's house, mm-hmm. and is kind of and then gets surrounded by all the freaks. <laughs> And that it's just priceless. It's wonderful. Um, And and then at the very, very end, the YouTube video cuts off in a wonderful way where with half a second to go, Electro lights up a flame (laughs) and he's taken his mask off by that point. So he's just this enthusiastic dude like, hey, and it's it's uh, it's so wonderful. He barely gets it in there. Yeah. Open flame next to David Letterman. Um, and, And what I think is that any other host, this is not as funny. Like that it's this is a performance being done in the like in the home of the meanest man who doesn't like anything. Does he? Yeah, because I feel like I don't remember what the verdict was on this. Usually does Letterman usually like the musical performances that were on their show or not? No, he was usually checked out. No way. No way. Yeah. He, likes the, he likes the Foo Fighters, and he likes maybe like Springsteen, the, probably. Springsteen, like the Black but Keys, like, probably, like I think he likes. Super Chunk or New Pornographers would play, be like, I hey, think he that's might, great. I think he might like some of that, okay. but I think... Fa- I like, Beastie Boys, I think. They yeah. seem to have fun with the Letterman. He famously, I think, is an old crank and doesn't like most things. Yeah. So, and yeah. that's the thing, that today, this performance is done for Jimmy Fallon or James Corden, and they come out after and like, oh my God, that was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic! They're they they love it. they eat it up. They like suck up. Like it's it's a oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. That's how it's done, baby. That kind of and I, I it's just I miss so Chain much. Smokers, <laughs> they give it, yeah. Like if you're saying give it a hundred percent, they will give the well, reaction to it a hundred percent. The cast of Spider-Man, turn off the talk, everybody. <laughs> you know, that's my Jimmy Fallon impression. I always do everything. He always says everybody. This yeah, apparently that bothers no one but affect. me. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the only the only funnier version of this would be if they were doing this exact the performance on Ed Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, and, and like he had to kind of like walk around and just like not know what to make of it, and like he wouldn't be able to sell that. He was never an excitable man, mm-hmm. so like that would be an equivalent. But yeah, no newer host would like show you what he felt. <laughs> Yeah, would immediately sell out the the piece. Mm-hmm. And I've got one more little thing, uh, which is that, the, as you said, Jason, this there was previously a Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark performance, and that was the star Reeve Carney performing yes. the big ballad Rise Above. <laughs> and that's my absolute favorite part of the book, Song of Spider-Man. That, I think, is the most, listening to a handful of songs from the musical, that seems the most Broadway-y. Mm-hmm. Of the songs, I think. Sure, yeah. It's the big soaring, moving. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I was wrong. The, the singer is uh, um, T- TV uh, Carpio, who plays Arachne. And uh, <laughs> and in this this gives you a... If you're interested in reading Song of Spider-Man, this is a real like, window into the tone of the book. But this is like... 
he's this he's at the 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 writer is absolutely at wit's end he owes incredible changes like massive overhauls of this play that's falling apart and hurting people and right (laughs) at that very moment he's alone he's removed from his family they literally live somewhere else he hasn't seen his child in months because he's putting together a freak like me needs company and he's so he's like he's alone in his new york apartment it's cold he's shivering and he turns on the tv and his very work spider-man turn off the dark comes on and the, the lyrics your strength will be a vision beyond visibility and the um <laughs> sorry uh, the lyrics your strength will be a vision beyond visibility and the gift i've woven for you will give you new eyes to see that you can rise above yourself then and i let out a scream loud ragged and long until the walls echoed and my throat hurt i felt like throwing up i felt like slamming my hand against a wall until i had shattered some bones but i didn't i made myself some coffee (laughs) the the most and i what i love about that is that for all this is a man having a melt. He's abandoned his yeah. family. He's having an absolute meltdown alone. Just all like curled up in the ball of the floor. And a woman on TV dressed as a spider lady is singing, you've got to rise above. And he goes, <laughs> he's like scream. He's having a meltdown, like from a movie to himself from a fucking Spider-Man performance of a theme on a, of a, it's a theme park show. This is so rich. These are adults acting like this and doing And then he made himself a cup of coffee and then he tossed in like Vanity Fair uh, celebrity profile first paragraph details of like Anna Kendrick walked into LaMille and ordered her latte and it's like we don't these profile like stop telling us what everyone's actually I kind of know what I like to know how else do you get to know a character or learn how they drink their coffee what they order for breakfast how they shave they exchange money for goods and services just like me it's a regular it's an average temperature day in Los Angeles and uh, <laughs> Mia Cabrera is uh, sipping on a cup of water to soothe her voice, apparently, from a big performance the night before. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What are these? Why do articles need to pad out with this yeah. crap? <laughs> Steve Bannon ordered another cup of slop as he walked into <laughs> the garbage dump that he called a home. <laughs> he ate directly with his mouth, yeah. mm-hmm. his face in. Every item truck. made of corrugated iron that had rusted. <laughs> he had a 10-gallon drum of bleach to pour into a hot <laughs> tub <laughs> but nothing would clean him of his sins <laughs> oh there he is the green uh, goblin we've got a perfect there final frame his, his wonderful smile i don't i mean it shows you how much i think we've all been waiting probably for years to talk about this at length and there's so much yeah. there and there's more yeah. be, we'll get to more yeah yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll i do mean a we haven't we'll I, do the whole mr Mephisto mike episode. saw the whole show so we can do we can go through we can do an episode on both versions of the show because they were different oh, after yeah. the rewrites. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll find. After the previews closed. Yeah. This, yeah. Some, um, so uh, you've got YouTube homework to do if you if you watch them talking about Halloween costumes. Watch everything you get you can get your hands on because this thing, what I, I mean, 
I guess it all it all sounds like shit talk or something, but truly this thing makes me so happy. Mm. It's cheered me up. If I'm in a bad <laughs> mood, I could put this on and I smile. I thank everyone involved for doing this wonderful <laughs> piece of television. I agree. It's made me so happy well, for so many years. And I, I thank both of you for making me re-look at this with a theme park lens where, yes, it's perfect. With a Broadway lens or a comic book lens, it is a puzzle you will never be able to solve. <laughs> but if you think, yeah, it's theme park entertainment out yep. in the world a, yeah. vi- a villain broke into the into the letterman show i do i love it i wish things like that happened all the time mm-hmm. uh, uh just hey thanks everybody yeah. it's so great um well you survived podcast the ride the second gate one of the most enthusiastic episodes <laughs> you're, you're ever gonna hear tell us more bullshit uh that you want to hear us uh, talk about at length by emailing us at podcast the ride at gmail.com and subscribe to our regular stuff on twitter instagram mm-hmm. uh and uh, facebook and stay weird most of all keep it freaky <laughs> forever dog This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Mike Carlson, Jason Sheridan, Scott Gardner, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.